On today's podcast from the North Wahala Church of God, Pastor Neil begins a series entitled The Mystery of Intimacy. Today's message is from Sunday morning, January 7, 2018. Now here's your speaker, Pastor Neil Nolan. For this reason, this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two, talk about this this morning, shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. When we were talking about prayer in Colossians, it was that mystery of prayer. It was the most phenomenal Wednesday night service that we participated at the North Wahala Church of God. I encourage you to go online and listen or get the CD. It is free for you. Please do that. This is a great mystery. But watch the change, Paul, to the church in Ephesus. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Would you go back from verse 31, previous verse 31? For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Next verse. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Paul was talking about the intimacy of a husband and a wife. And then he says, no, no, I'm, I'm talking about Christ and the church. And it's that dialogue through these few verses. He's talking about marriage. No, he's talking about the church. He's talking about marriage. No, he's talking about the church. And it's this mystery that he's trying to show us because it can be found nowhere else. Because when two become one flesh in that intimate moment, things can be birthed nowhere else except in that moment. It's the same way in the Spirit. There's some things that are only birthed when you're alone with God. And we, the church, are trying to do the work of the Lord separated from the Lord of the work. And we're tired, and we're weary, and we play church games, and we're mad, and we're frustrated. I'm telling you, I'm calling you back to your first love. That I don't care what else you do. And in 2018, before you make your to-do list and what you, your, your goals and, and this, and this, I want you to stop. And I want you to go in His presence. And don't leave until it's done. Father, today, greatest this mystery. It's the mystery of intimacy. How you long to spend time with me. From Genesis to Revelation, you, the God of this universe, says, let me walk with you in the pool today. Even when you mess up, be still. I'll make a way out of no way. You, God, walk even through the Song of Solomon and show us, through the book of Ruth, you show us these love stories over and over and over and again just to show us how much you want us to spend time with you. When I was 16 or 6, I wanted Mom and Daddy to buy me everything for Christmas. But now at 39, I can care less for the gifts. I just want to spend time with Mom and Daddy. Holy Spirit, is it not the same way in the Spirit world? I feel you, Spirit. When you're done with me, you sit me down today. The naysayers and those who shoot behind me, let them shoot, for that does not bother me. For I know what I am and I know who I am. And I have not come to impress or play games. But I will lay this word down and walk away and I've done. In Jesus' name, everybody say, Amen. You may be seated. The mystery of intimacy. I am amazed by modern church. It is much different 
than when I came into the church in 1996. I love some things. I love the, the beauty of worship. I love the technology. I'm a little embarrassed this morning about our screen, but that will be fixed. The deacons will, will move on that quickly. I love the technology that we use to do ministry, and there's nothing wrong with that. We should use every avenue that gets the gospel out quicker. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's beautiful. But there is something that I'm noticing about the modern church. We have our systems and structures in every denomination, all denominations, even independent churches who claim not to be a part of a denomination but independent. Generally, they make their own rules and bylaws because they become a denomination unto themselves. Anyway. And so by doing that, though, we're so quick to run the church that a lot of times when we have the church set up, it becomes more of a business than a church. While business is necessary in the church because we have to run it in a way that we have the resources to carry out the work of the Lord, it is never a business first. Never, never, ever, ever. It is a church of Almighty God. It works on a supernatural mindset that cannot be found anywhere else. It is spits and loaves. It is paying money out of a fish's mouth. There is always a supernatural mindset unto the church. What I'm seeing that the great churches of today, a lot of them, we're separating God from the church. And when we sprinkle Him on our services, because we've got to be Christian, we sprinkle Him in our speech or our conduct, and we pull Him out when we need to, to make ourselves different from the country club. Because a lot of times, if we do not do that, we're not much different than the country club. Second thing I see. Not only do we do that, but inside the church is where I want to preach to this morning, but I'm not throwing stone at you. I'm sharing my life, maybe a confessional. That there are people in the church that were frustrated. We work hard. We punch the clock when others do not punch the clock. Never get praised for it. We're diligent about the North Walhalla Church of God because we love her. We want to see our children here, our grandchildren, and see them baptized and saved and filled with the Spirit. And we come to this church, and we're so busy with doing that work that we have become frustrated and tired. We don't understand why others won't pick up the mantle. We do our job plus others, plus others, and then some more. We carry loads for people that should be carrying the loads for themselves. And what happens is, it is the essence to hold the church up that she will not fall. We put so much on our shoulders that we become frustrated because we spend more time keeping the church afloat than we do in the presence of Almighty God. I've been there. How foolish of me. Because this church can never be held on mortal shoulders. No, sir. This church is birthed in the blood of Jesus Christ. He sets this church up high. And if I think that I can carry the church, then I am arrogant and prideful in my humility of grace and service because only God can carry His church. He doesn't need me to carry His church. He doesn't need me to protect His church. He needs me to do what He's called me to do, which is first go into His presence and then serve out from His presence, knowing this, that the church that He has set up, the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. And what I am seeing is that we're tired and frustrated. We have all these things, and we cannot seem to get people dedicated. It is the cry of every church, from five members to 5,000 members. They will give you their money today, but they will not give you their time. They will not give you their service. 
They will not worship. They have come to the place in Pentecost. I'm not talking about fanaticism. But we will not worship. Because it makes us seem awkward to the community. I will press on. In Ephesians 5, there is something that I want to show you. In verse 31, while he's talking about this great structure of marriage, which is beautiful and honorable before God and all, he talks about being one husband and wife. And he says this because Paul is reciting the words of Genesis and also Moses would as well. But he's reciting the words that were established before the fall of man. So before the fall of man, he's talking about that intimate walk between a husband and wife. It's a beautiful walk. But yet when he references the marriage, he then all of a sudden begins to talk about the mystery of the church and us. It, it, it doesn't make sense. He's talking about the ordained union of marriage, how God engaged to create man and woman, and that the pattern of marriage had in a purpose as a relationship between the Son and the church. He's setting the order of marriage in the same pattern as the Son and the church. But the order of marriage is in Genesis, and the son of the church, and the church, excuse me, is in the New Testament. It seems like that's out of order, but it's not. Because while this is having its birth in Genesis, and this is showing up in the New Testament, this is not birth in the New Testament. This is birth before Genesis was ever put on paper. The church of Almighty God that's found in Jesus Christ. Are you listening? I'm not trying to confuse you, but we've got, we've got to dig deeper a little bit here. So understanding this is what I call the marriage mystery. It is contained and conceals the meaning of a far greater than what we can see from the outside. It's one man and one woman ordained in marriage that represents the covenant relationship of Christ and His church that is in a marriage union. Simply saying that you cannot walk with God, unless you are intimate with God in your relationship, if not, you will get frustrated, you will get fatigued, you will get weary, you will become the hate church, you will become the hate coming to church. And I'm telling you, and I know this is a confessional, you're about to be appalled, but sometimes since I've been pastoring, I've almost regretted coming to God's church because I knew that when I got there, that the church would be about more than what it should be. It would be about who's Feelings got hurt. It'll be about somebody's upset because we didn't say happy birthday to them. Like I'm Chuck E. Cheese with credentials. I'm preaching. I, I know it's funny. It didn't mean to be, but I'm preaching. I'm almost dread coming to church because I've got to go through the checklist and I've got to go through the do list and I've got to make sure this person is happy because if this person gets ill, oh God, help us. Everybody in the whole county will know that they're upset about something. So I've got to go by and butter somebody's biscuit before we go to the pulpit and we make sure that yeah, I'm preaching. I'm preaching. And God, Lord, forgive us because we don't want to be like the church down the road. So we'll bring the Holy Ghost out for 30 seconds to go in the service so we can tell our buddies down there at the feed store, the golf course, the hunt lodge, we are Pentecostal because we prayed out of Acts and you people won't even read out of Acts. God help us. 
We are missing. It's not about the program of the church. It's not about the this and the that of the church. I did not get saved to preach. I did not get saved to be church of God. I came out of darkness in the light because I hated my life and I hated myself. And I was tired of going on my way to hell. I wanted something new. I wanted a fresh touch of God. I wanted to be different than my father's were. What did we do to the church? We got so busy making sure that we were the biggest and the best. We got so busy making sure that this and that and all this was done that we missed the, the God of the church. And what I hear before God pours out His Spirit again, listen to me. I believe this is bigger than North Wahala. I believe that there's coming an outpouring soon. It's going to be a river that's going to flow down. But the problem is most of the churches are going to miss it because we don't want it and we're not looking for it. So bypassing the church buildings, he's going to go back to house churches, churches online, men who are preaching on street corners, men who get behind Facebook to preach a sermon because we're so busy making sure that we're church of God or Baptist or Presbyterian or independent that we forgot about the God of the church. And I've come to wake somebody up today. Your relationship with God is stale. It's fragmented. You haven't felt His presence in so long. You like the marriage that has now begun staying in separate houses. You no longer have date nights. You no longer pursue each other. You no longer walk together in the cool of the day. You, you spend so much time behind Facebook looking at everybody else's spouse that you forgot about your own spouse. And it's the same way in the spirit world. We're so busy with the church. We're so busy keeping up with the Joneses that we forgot about the God of the church. Go with the place of the Song of Solomon real quickly. I'm going to lay the foundation. I want you, my Pentecostal people, my brethren, my Pentecostals, my whatever you are, Catholic, Episcopal, I don't care, Lutheran, doesn't matter. I want you to run with me a little bit. I want you to come and fall back in love with God one more time. I want to use your marriage as the backdrop to paint upon this morning, if you would allow me. First of all, the Son of Solomon, and I did a big series of this in, in, in Columbia. But I want you to understand in verses 1 and 2, this is a story about a relationship, a love relationship, a beautiful relationship. It's kind of racy in the Bible. How many of you read the Song of Solomon? I love it. I quote that to Jessica all the time. Some of it I can't quote to you this morning, but if you read it, it's there, amen. Her, her cheeks have the earrings set on the side. And her neck is long with jewelry. And she doesn't like that part, but it's in the Bible. Amen? But if something happens, you remember the first time? You remember the first time you saw your bride? You remember the first time that you saw her and your heart skip a beat? You remember the first time that you saw your husband and you said, that is the most manly man I've ever seen in my life. I need that part then so I can be his James. Amen? You remember that? You remember that for some of you, that was a week ago, some, some a little bit longer ago. But it's the same way with God. Preacher, that, that's sacrilegious. And you don't read the Song of Solomon. She says to him, let him kiss me, verse 2, with kisses of his mouth. That, that's, that's pretty plain, brother, saints. Of his mouth. For love is better than wine. For the church to have intimacy with God again. 
I believe our saints' word must be intoxicated with intimacy and love like we had in days gone by, but not not stalled by the past, only reminded and saying, God, what we had back then was good, but I'm longing for something greater. Don't change the word. She says, it's better than wine. Your love intoxicates me. Your love does something to me. It makes me giggle around people when I shouldn't giggle because I'm no longer free. I want to say things to you, but it comes out goo-goo and gaga because your, your white rain hairspray has took my breath away. You understand? That's a little age for you. You don't get any better than that. Amen? I digress. Let me move forward. You understand what I'm saying? It's the truth, though, because you know at that moment I'm trying to be cool and I'm trying to be this and I'm trying to be that, but I can't because your beauty and your love, I'm so intoxicated right now by this one kiss. I just can't control myself. I hated church growing up. I hated it. I didn't like it. It was boring. It was dry. I sat in a balcony. I watched the girls come in so we could sit down and see what they were wearing. And once they sat down, we went to sleep. Oh, Brother Noel, I can't believe you said that. Why? That's the truth. Because it was dry. I can tell you what the preacher's going to say because the deacons have already told him what he could say. How do you know that? Because they were my family. Can't preach Max. No, no, no. We can't preach Max. You're not going to preach on giving because even though at that time some of those that were my family had a lot of money, we just didn't want to give it to the church, you know, because of the preacher. He wouldn't preach truth because we wouldn't let him preach truth, so that way we can kind of keep our money. Oh, somebody listened to me this morning. And what happened was, I didn't like it. I only went to see the young ladies. That was the only reason. But somehow, someway, God and His sovereignty and providence made me step foot into an old church of God on the backside of the backside of town. Not even in the city limits. They had to run it out of town because back then, that church or something about that church that made it different. They didn't have this or that. I wish I could tell you about my history class this week that talked about how Pentecostals had something a little different, but I'll say that for another time. But at the Sheroal Church of God, I stumbled in and the God of heaven kissed me that night. He kissed me on my on my cheek and said, son, you are a sinner. I know church has not sufficed in your life. I know you don't like it. I know it's boring to you, but if you'll come away with me, if you'll drift away with me, I'll give you something that will satisfy your every need. I got drunk that night. I got an in the place. But something in God that let me know He's alive and He's real and He wants to do something in my life. Our intimate walk in worship and our love for God has always been described as intoxicating. It is fascinating. It is a church and I saying, these men are drunk. No, 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 no. We are not drunk as you suppose. See this but the third hour of the day. It's still morning time. We are not drunk, but this is what was promised by the prophet Joel, saying, in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. See, church of God, we have the spirit upon us. We have the Holy Ghost. Don't get tired doing the work of the Lord. Go back to the first, your first love and realize that your relationship with God is more important than anything else. I want to talk a little bit about Hannah's. We move forward. Secondly, not only should it be intoxicating, there should be a place, verse 4, 
He said, draw me away. We will run after you. She said, excuse me, the king has brought me into his chambers. There is a private place with God. There is a tabernacle, and we start that series Wednesday night. There is a holy place. Not everyone can go, but it's intoxicating. See, if I don't schedule, and I know somebody's going to rebuke you for this, but hear me out. My bride and I, we are learning to schedule things. Now, I know what you're saying. You shouldn't have to schedule them because your love should just flow freely. Okay. But you don't pastor. Three nights this week at 10 o'clock, there was needs in the church. So we have to schedule. And I like that schedule. She plans for me and I plan for her. I'm not trying to be crude. I take her to the restaurant she likes. I don't take her to Western Sism because she don't like it. I take her to Outback, somewhere else. Biltmore, we love Savannah, going to the pink house. We plan, it's that restaurant that we first begin to see our love grow deeper. It's mine and hers. It's plain, it's beautiful. Might not be beautiful to you, but it's beautiful to me. If I don't plan it, I plan to fail. Because life will get in the way. What do you plan for God this year? Well, Pastor's got to do this series. Pastor's got to do this. Pastor's got to do this. I got to do this. I got a prep conference. I got a camp meeting. I got a general assembly. I got a youth camp. I got this. I got Ames ball games. I got acid soccer. I got this. And before I know it, my schedule looks like something I want to throw against the wall. Just being honest. Pastor, this person needs to see you. This person, that's good. I love them. I'll, I'll make it work. I'll try. I'll do this. And, and all of a sudden, I realize I have nothing in there for God. Nothing, nothing, nothing. That's what we've done in the church. We have scheduled him out. Don't show up, God, because you can't come this Sunday because the Super Bowl's coming on, and we've got to get out by this time. God, you can, don't come here because it's the first day of spring break. God, don't do this. And we never planned for intimacy. The king's chambers was his private place. And what you fail to realize is God is inviting you to a place that's only destined for you. But you've got to be willing to go. You've got to want to go. You've got to get up in the morning and say, God, before I start my day, I can't do anything first until I go into your presence and I spend time alone with you. Please, church, schedule time with God and go into the holy place. Thirdly, this morning, this is planned. Verse 7, she said, tell me, oh, you whom I love, where you feed your flock. Not only is this place of intimacy, it is set there before her, and it's planned, it's pursued. She is going after him. She is saying, I don't care where it has to be. You don't have to have time alone with God in this sanctuary. Your sanctuary can be in a room in your house. Hello? I want to be careful. When the kids are going crazy, Jessica and I, we, they walk out in the backyard. There's nothing out there but the coyotes anyway. Amen? And that becomes our intimate place. It's just that we just walk and talk and spend time with each other. This doesn't have to be just a sanctuary. But listen, what we have done is we've not pursued God. She is saying, I don't care where you go. I want to know where you're going to be. And where you are, that's where I want to be. What do we do? Oh, no, but no, but 
I can't follow God because it might offend something that happened 30 years ago. God, I, I can't follow Him if He's moving that way. I don't like that way. I just stay right here and you're missing out on God. And that's why you're mad and you're bitter and you're frustrated because you have not spent time in the presence of the Lord. People that come out of God's presence cannot be bitter because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Verse 12. Verse 12 says, only this. He says, but while the king is at his table, my stinkyard sends forth his presence. See, that's what you missed. What happened to us? What happened to us that we came so beautiful in the eyes of our community, which I love? We're going to do outreach like never before. Everywhere I've been going lately. I told Anthony that this week. Somebody went to the gym and they were talking about our outreaches. And somebody else was talking about Sister Rose Mayo and how we care for those that were shut-ins. And those that, we're going to do all that. That's not what I'm preaching. But something has happened, though, in our churches, not here, churches, that we're almost appalled now by the moving of God's Spirit. It might make us uncomfortable. So we're trying to reproduce in the flesh that can only be produced in the Spirit. And that's why there is no provision in the natural. You listening? He says that once I go to his chambers and I pursue him, then I get to sit at his table. Table represents provision. You've got a need? Brother Donald, I want you to pray for me. I will. And let me say this one time. If I tell you I'm going to pray for you, that is not a generic term. I'm praying for you. Don't use, I want you to hear me. Sometimes we use that as a generic term to push people away. If I tell you I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. And that's the most powerful thing I can do for you. But at his table, there's all the provision that I need. You need peace? Go to his presence first. You need provision? Go to his presence first. Because he'll even set a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Why? Because when you get along with God, it doesn't even matter about your enemies anymore. He can set a table before you in the presence of your enemies and you will die while they're talking about you to your face because it won't matter because you'd rather have God than the naysayers who are against you. You don't have to beg. You don't have to lie. You don't have to manipulate. He says, come. Come to my chambers. Come to my table. Come away with me. Come on, Neil. Come sit before me. I'll provide for you. I'll do things that others will ever do for you. When you get dissatisfied with the church world and people, come away with me. Let's, let's talk about us again. Because if you and I are right, son, the church will flow and you'll do my work naturally. But if you don't come away with me, you'll just be doing the work, my work out of your past anointing. And then when that cup is empty, you will fall on your face to sin, rebuke, or frustration. Haven't we all been there? I know I have. When you've worked so hard for the church that you neglected your private prayer time and intimacy, and now you no longer even want to come to God's house. You make excuses of why you don't want to come to God's house. I want you to rekindle your first love. And if you will, God will set a table before you with every provision that you need. Not only will He set that table, but in chapter 2, verse 4, he says, I'll pull you to that table, and then I'll set a banner above your head of love. That means my God is not ashamed of me. 
He not only invites you to his chambers of intimacy where things are birthed that is birthed nowhere else. You want anointing? I can't give it to you. You want wisdom? I can share knowledge and wisdom of Scripture, but I cannot impart it into you. You want the blessings of the Lord? You've got to go for yourself. And then God sets a banner above your head and says, This is my son. This is my daughter. It's a banner of love that lets the world know I have been alone with the king. Let me tell you something. When you've been alone with the king, you don't have to put it on Facebook. You don't have to have a t-shirt, a bandana, a pocket protector. Because God sets the banner above your head, not you. And people will know that they know there's something different about that woman. There's something different about that man. I don't like what he wears. I don't like the car he drives. But there's something different about that man. That man has been alone with somebody that's not flesh. I know the people that mark my life. Sister Hodges, Johnny's grandma. Sister Pierce, Brother Miles, Brother Darty. Those men that mark my life. Those grannies of the church, Sister Parker, who I can see now at her breakfast as the Holy Ghost was speaking through her as she told me how God helped her bury her children and she didn't lose her mind. She taught me about the comforter. Those people were different saints. They were different. Why? Because they knew where to go first and not to bring him out as an addition to the church. Why are we doing away with that? I know it's unpopular. I know modern churches don't like it. They don't want to talk about things like prayer and fasting. I'm, I'm getting in trouble. Just, just bear with me. Nothing wrong with pleasure. Nothing, nothing wrong with softball teams. Nothing wrong with us. We got one of the best in Oklahoma County. Even better when I play on the team, if you understand what I'm saying. But we'll spend more time teaching people how to stretch and do yoga than we do how to pray in the Spirit. All preachers said we couldn't do yoga. You go stretch your little heart out, all I can. That's not what I'm saying. These last five minutes, you hear me. What I'm saying is this. Is that we're missing him. Instead of calling it what it is, we take it and pretend. We talk about past revivals. We have no intimacy with God. There's no mystery. What we're needing is something to be birthed in intimacy that the only birth of God that will produce it on the backs of men like Bill Nolan. And when Neil lets us down, we realize how much we don't like church. Not thinking that he is a man and he will let you down. If you'll go to God in intimacy, you can reproduce something there or produce, excuse me, not reproduce, produce something there that can only happen. Pastor Nolan, what if I don't do that? I'll tell you what will happen. You'll go from the beauty of intimacy, which is chapter 2, verse 8, when God comes leaping for you. Listen to me as a close. God is, the Bible said that He is leaping over mountains to get to you. That's what she was doing. How many of you remember? I, I, I remember a friend of mine who went to Lee University who said, I would drive back all night long to Oconee County just to spend 20 minutes with my girlfriend and then drive all the way back to the university. 
it's amazing what a kiss can do for you, amen? But then you get married and you won't walk five yards. Right? He says God leaps to us. God's told mountains to get to us. Not only does He lead to us, but if we don't understand that, verse 9, He stands behind our wall. He is looking through the windows. How do we go from intoxicating drunk love, which represents us intoxicated love with God in the Spirit, and now we've got this God who leaps to save us, leaps to sanctify us, leaps to help us in our marriage and our careers and rear our children, and now there's somehow a wall there. We create that wall. Too busy, too frustrated, too mad, too disappointed, don't like the preacher, mad at this one, mad at that one, and that wall's there. And what happens if we're not careful, when those walls are built, we place those walls there saying, I'll remove them next Sunday, and next Sunday the child's sick. And the next Sunday you're mad. And the next Sunday you're on vacation. The next Sunday you're playing ball. The next Sunday is, is Christmas. The next Sunday is this. And before long, there's a wall that is not natural that's been set up in your life, and you don't even recognize it anymore. You fake it. You tithe. You pretend. You give a preacher a card at Christmas, but you miss this. God's presence is no longer in your life. He's no longer there. Is anybody listening? I'm calling you back. Forget about working today. Forget about doing this or that. Spend time alone with the God who loves you. I want to talk to you about seasons, but Thomas is taken. Because next he begins to talk about seasons. Some of us are going to miss our season. I want to talk to you also about how the watchman didn't know where the lover was, where the king was. That represents our preachers. Our preachers who no longer can detect anymore when God's presence has left the building. I, I, I'm not separating me, I'm lumping me with them. And we just got to keep the church afloat, do good by the denomination, smile at camp meeting. Everybody's frustrated. One thing keeps me sane. When I get to spend time alone with him, like on Wednesday afternoon, and we just walk for a while, change my life forever. It was a general assembly, Anthony. It was just Wednesday afternoon in the spare bedroom of the parsonage where all the Christmas gifts are that hasn't happened open yet. But somehow he came to me. And we talked for a while. Since then, I can't wait to get back. It's like that, that first date, that second date, that first kiss, that first love letter. Do you love me? So, yes or no in the box. Preacher, I've been saved 30 years now. And you should still be in love just like it was the day that you met. If not, you do what she does. Now come back into you. Not now. Uh, maybe I, I would, but I, I, I just got in bed. Just fixed my hair. I just did this. Can you come back later? I want to spend time with you. But that's what she says. But but I just wash my feet, and I, I get out of bed. My feet's gonna be dirty. I don't want to dirty my feet. Baby, come back in the morning. 
but something changes. Now it's the last time. She goes to get out of the bed, then she grabs her coat, she goes to the Bible back out. It talks about something that's drifting on the doorknob. She grabs that door, she opens it, and the only thing that is left is a residue of what was there in the past. But now the lover is gone. Now she has to go chasing me. Where is my lover? That's where we are. It's gone. That money in the bank, though. We've got, we've got a preacher who lets us out by 12, just not today. Sorry. We got a preacher, we got a preacher that's, that does this, and we've got a puppet that does this, and we got a puppet that does that. There's coming a cancer. There's coming a trial. There's coming a death. There's coming a place in your life where you get so frustrated that you say you have all this nonsense. Just take me back to my first love. God, I don't want to be drunk again with you. I don't care what time it is. I know I'm let you out. I want you to hear me. I don't care. I'm going to finish the sermon. I remember Anthony when I first got saved. I found a prayer meeting during the week. Pentecostal Holiness Church. We'd go over there, pray, pray with those crazy Pentecostals who were kind of like us, but not good enough to be us. Then we go down to the AME church, across the railroad tracks. Me and Caslow Grant, we go over there. Black preacher young, white preacher young, we get together. We call it salt and pepper. We go over and start praying. Didn't know how to pray, didn't know what we were doing. Then we go out to the Methodist church out in the country, because the Methodist church in the country was a little more like us. So we'd go out there too, just to find an evangelist with a fresh word. We used to prayer meeting with the grannies. Oh, how the Holy Ghost would move. Paul St. Pierre would prophesy. Those prophecies came true, by the way. He was a Catholic man full of the Holy Ghost and did prophesy. You think that we've got a lock on the Holy Ghost? You fooled yourself. My first love. Well, I played gospel music all day. I used to run down to the Christian bookstore where Pastor Hardison would have the latest T.D. Jake CD for me. So I could hear a fresh word. Cast my check, give my tithe, and I'd run down there. We'd listen to a sermon together, and then we'd cry. We'd pray about revival and unity in our small town. Now, 20 years later, and I close, don't you hear me? I pray, God, that my present state is not about how much I'm getting paid on the Church of God's scale. Or what they can do for me at Camp Middleton. So if it is, then I've left my first love. And I'm no longer intoxicated anymore. I'm drunk in my flesh. And it needs to be crucified. Come away with me, church. Dude, I know I'm not your best pastor. I'm not, I'm not even, I do it. But I am what I am. And I'm a priest of truth. And I'm telling you, I'm not your babysitter or your mom. I'm the pastor. And I'm asking you, come back to your first love. Don't get frustrated with church. Come down with me to your first love. Let's find that place where you come out of God's presence and you can't wait to tell your wife, guess what God told me today? Is it marriage? No, it's the church. Is it Father, I preach 
not to condemn, but to invite. Come away. Even to my staff, God, I know how it is. God, to our leadership here, our department heads, I know they're tired. They are understanding the pastoral part of ministry is so heavy. I have the best team. This is not directed at them. I have the best team. But if I can give them any advice from my failures, never let me come to the pulpit until first I've been time, I spent time with you. Here's what I want you to do all over the house. You say, Pastor Nolan, I don't need you to beg me. I want to go back and spend time alone in intimacy with God. Would you step out? Anyone? Not begging you. Not begging you. Not begging you. If I have to beg you, it's not really a day, is it? All over the house. Come away with me. Come away with me. I love that we have leadership coming. I love it. I love it. I love it. Because I was just there this morning myself. Come away with me. 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 Drift away with me. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. When's the last time we went to the restaurant and somebody just said, Y'all must have had church this morning. There's something different about you, sister. A long time had to come away with me. Come away with me. Come away. Come away. Come away. Come away. Come on, stretch your hand this way, church. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we drift in now. I know you're tired. I know you're fatigued. You've been praying. You've been praying. You're frustrated. You've been praying. You've been praying. It's not happening. You don't know we're sad. Forget about all that. Forget about all that. I don't want to let the pastor down. You're not letting me down. I, I, I need to add more ministry. I need to do No, no, no. You need to stop. You need to spend time alone with me. Come on. Press in. Oh, over the next few weeks, don't you listen to me? I will take you to the Emmaus Road and see passion burn again or burn again. I'm going to take you to Mary's house and Martha's house. I'm going to show you the importance of both work and worship. We'll go to Hannah's house and Hannah's going to take us to the tabernacle where the priest thought she was drunk. She wasn't drunk in the natural, but in the spirit, how she gave birth to a child. How she was fruitful because she spent time in God's presence. Then I'm also going to teach you how, if we don't, you'll be barren. So we'll talk about those things. This is just the first step along with our prayer initiative. I want to get you in God's presence. That's the fullness of joy. Amen? Nothing, nothing is more important. I want you to spend time with Him. And then when we get to the church, this is natural. It's just what we do. We're family. It's who we are. But we've got to go away first with Him. Set that time today. Set that time tomorrow. Don't miss the appointment when you set it. Get up 30 minutes early. Your lunch break, instead of telling more jokes or talking about the football game, 15 minutes from Just talk to him. Amen? As Pastor Russell's making his way to the door, let me close this morning. There's some still praying. I want them to pray. I want them to linger. Intimacy.